All right. Good morning. It is May the 3rd. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I've had a busy week. Wife and I were up in uh, Alexandria, no, Arlington, Virginia yesterday um, for a uh, nonprofit type uh, fundraiser. Really enjoyed that. Um, but anyway, I was looking over my notes for Acts, and I know that we have, um, I was looking on my YouTube channel. Um, looks like I've shared thoughts on Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 19 with you guys. So thought I'd just pick up a little bit more here. Let's just read it for context. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And of course, we've talked about how Pentecost took place 50 days after the Passover. Uh, Pentecost had everything to do with the Jew, absolutely nothing to do with the Gentile. Of course, the Jews referred to it as the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks, and you can read about that in Exodus 23, 24, Old Testament, Leviticus 16. Um, it was the celebration of the beginning of the early harvest uh, during May and June. Um, and again, it was counted, if you want to figure, figure it out, it was counted in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 through 16. The, the count starts the Sabbath after Passover and the day after or Sunday. So you count out 50 to the next Sabbath, you are at uh, Pentecost. Um, and then in verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound <clears throat> from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled the house where they were all sitting um, I personally believe these were the, the 12 uh, were here, not um, not the entire 120, but uh, we talked about that, and you can go back and listen to that. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it set upon each of them. So every one of them in the room, uh, this happened to them, and they were filled with Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them um, them utterance. Uh, because of this verse, Pentecostals will say that you must be filled with tongues. You must be, you must be, you must speak in tongues uh, to prove that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think that's a, a horrible misinterpretation of this text. Number one, I don't think Pentecost has anything to do uh, with modern-day Pentecostals or Pentecostalism. Um, so. Uh, because, quite frankly, the more I study uh, the book of Acts, which I have, uh, I have decided, not me only, but many, uh, this was a transitional book. I don't think the, modern, the church that you and I live in was not born here in Acts chapter number 2, um, period. So to apply anything that happened here on the day of Pentecost to the modern day church that you and I live in, is a misinterpretation and a misapplication of the text, in my opinion. Um, so they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. That word "tongue" is dialectos, which means they were speaking languages, languages that were known by the people of the time. It was not an unknown heavenly language that nobody knew. Uh, again, that's a misinterpretation of the text, even if the tongues were for today. Um, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of, out of every nation. And we talked about how that <clears throat> a lot of Jews were back in Jerusalem at this time after the diaspora, the spreading 
out after the Babylonian captivity. Many of them were devout uh, students of Scripture. They knew the, the prophecies of Daniel. They were looking for the Messiah. Simeon in Luke chapter 225 was there. Um, he recognized the consolation of Israel being that baby that Mary and Joseph had. So I don't think these people were ignorant. A lot of them knew exactly what was going on. I don't think we give them enough credit sometimes. And then in verse number six, now when he, this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Boom. Okay. They're speaking known dialectos, known dialects. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? Um, and how hear we everyone in our own tongue in which we were, in, in which we were born? Um, at Parthians, and then they begin to name where all these Jews were coming from. They had Jews there uh, from from. They were Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Now, the proselytes is referring to people who were Gentiles who had proselytized into Judaism. Otherwise, this text is Jewish and Jewish only, other than these proselytes here. Cretes and Arabians, how do we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God? And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Uh, others mocking said these men are full of new wine. So here we see two responses, doubt and mockery. Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. And of course, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus did give key, the keys to the kingdom to Peter to be used right here has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church or the Pope or, or modern-day Christianity at all. Again, bad interpretation, wrong application. Uh, he said, these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing you know it's only the, the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Why would they be drunk? But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, Peter attributes everything that's going on here with the prophecy of Joel. And like I've said before, the best way to understand this is Peter said what he meant and meant what he said. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and we do believe in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of the Scriptures, said this is that which was prophesied by Joel, which means this is the fulfillment of Joel in chapter 2, verse number 28. And again, this is where commentators, modern-day commentators, who want to insist that the church was born here on correcting Peter, like he didn't know what he was talking about. I, I, I challenge you, Peter knew much better what he was talking about than any of our commentators today. Peter was there. Peter sat at the feet of Jesus for three years. Jesus, uh, Peter heard uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Peter heard Matthew chapter number 24. He knew exactly what was going on. Peter. Um, said this is the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 verse number 28 which precedes the tribulation which precedes 
the, the second coming, which precedes the millennial reign or the kingdom being established on earth, which is another bone of contention that I've come to deal with. We are not in the kingdom. Uh, we've never been in the kingdom. And when we use kingdom language, that's where we get into trouble. And I believe that's where so much a division has been caused in the, in the body of Christ. We start using kingdom language. You know, we're building the kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom. No, you're not. The kingdom doesn't have anything to do with the Gentile church, uh, the body of Christ. The kingdom is a Jewish kingdom with a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish people. Um, so, you know, thy, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Yeah, we want the kingdom to come, but we don't have... I mean, that's not what we as the body of Christ are looking for. We're not looking for the kingdom. We're looking for the rapture of the church. Uh, again, we get confused because we try to fit this current dispensation. There you go. You know where I'm coming from into Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter number two, the apostles are preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Christ has ascended and they are under the belief that if the Jewish nation repents, you're going to see that in Peter's Pentecostal sermon, that the Messiah would return and establish his kingdom on earth. That's exactly what Peter believed would happen next. Um, and that's what he said. Um, so in verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now again, some people would argue well, that didn't happen, but it did happen. Keep reading the book of Acts. <laughs> I mean, it, it did happen. Um, and of course, we know that it was rejected. Ultimately, the gospel of the kingdom was rejected. Ultimately, the Jewish people committed the unpardonable sin. Ultimately, they blasphemed. They pushed the Holy Spirit away. And that's when God raised up the apostle Paul, who preached the gospel of grace or the gospel of reconciliation to the Gentiles. And that's where the church came into being. Okay. Um, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in the days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Now, then, now keep reading. Joel, Peter is still quoting Joel chapter 2 verse number 28. And he says, And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and the notable day of the Lord come. In other words, Peter is saying these two things has to happen before the Lord's going to come back. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and all these wonders in heaven and signs in the earth and blood and vapor and smoke and the sun turning dark. He's describing the tribulation, folks. He's saying these things have to happen. So in Peter's mindset, and I get this, and this took me a long time to figure out, okay, because <clears throat> I, like so many, just swallowed hook line and sinker everything I was taught in Bible college and seminary Peter is saying this is the gospel of the kingdom that we're proclaiming this is the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 verse number 28 the pouring out of the Holy Spirit Pentecost and if Israel will repent as a result of that preaching the tribulation will come the seven years are the 70th week of Daniel. In other words, the clock that stopped at 483 years when you killed the Messiah will keep on ticking 
and we'll go straight into the 70th week of Daniel and the Lord will return and set up his millennial reign on earth set up the kingdom that's exactly what Peter is saying and there is no amount of twisting reinterpretation that you can put on that and I and I've heard it all poor Peter just didn't know what he was saying Peter knew exactly what he was saying just read it the disciples believed that Israel even here in Acts chapter number 2 I believe all the way up until Acts chapter number 7 that the the Jewish people could repent and return to their Messiah and God would immediately bring in the tribulation the Messiah would return and establish his kingdom on earth there's no other way around what Peter is saying here in Acts chapter number 2 unless you start twisting it to say something unless you start forcing the church that you and I live in into this text that's the only way you're going to arrive at where most of the modern day church has arrived that's the only way you're going to get there is start correcting the scripture start correcting the apostles um, and he says in verse 19 and I will show wonders and blood and smoke and smoke and vapor of smoke and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the Lord the Lord shall be saved now you know we get in the pulpit and we quote that verse that verse wasn't talking to us it was talking to the kingdom church and he's saying the pouring out of the Holy Spirit the tribulation 70th week of Daniel picking back up and whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord in that day shall be saved ye men of Israel hear these words in verse number 22 again he's not talking to Gentiles ye men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man approved to God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves already know him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you, house of Israel, have taken by wicked hands and you have crucified and slain. You killed your Messiah. You killed the one that Daniel foretold, that Daniel spoke of, whom God hath raised from the dead, loosed the pains of death because he was, he was not able or it was not possible that he should be holding by it. This, this Messiah that was sent to you, you killed him, but he's risen again from the dead. And he says, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, and he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. So now Peter uses Hebrew scripture from the book of Psalms, chapter number 16, to show that the crucifixion and the resurrection are proof that Jesus was indeed their true Messiah. Because in Psalm 16, verse number 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth in my flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou shalt wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. In other words, the prophecy that the Messiah, the Holy One, would, would not see corruption. You, thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there is pleasures forevermore. He's quoting the Hebrew scriptures to show them that this Messiah that you slain did not stay dead. He has risen again. 
Okay, uh, down in verse number 32, he says, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. The very one you killed, the Lord has raised up from the dead. He and the other apostles had missed this. And during their three years of walking around with Jesus, they missed it. And now it's it's coming on Peter. In Luke chapter 18, verse 11, And he took unto him the twelve, this is Jesus, and he said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. He will be delivered unto the Gentiles, and he shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death the third day. He'll rise again. Jesus told the apostles. He told Peter this. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which had been spoken. In Luke chapter 18, verse 31 through 34, Jesus told them, but they didn't realize it. It is not a good news sermon that Peter is beginning to preach here. But it is, it is one that is designed to lead the nation of Israel, not the Gentiles, the nation of Israel to repentance. And if they would repent, then the clock would restart, Daniel's 70th week would happen, and whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever endures till the end shall be saved. I can't tell you how many preachers I hear quote that verse out of context. Shall be saved, and then the Lord will return, second coming, and establish his kingdom upon earth. That's exactly what those scriptures are saying. Um, and in verse 28, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, and thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance, men and brother. Let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David. In other words, this is not talking about David, because he's dead, he's buried, he's in his grave, and his body's with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath unto him, that, and again, remember he's referring back to Psalms, which was written by David. In other words, he's saying David wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the Messiah. Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, a descendant of David, that's why Matthew had to establish the fact that Jesus was indeed a descendant of King David in the genealogies, sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. In other words, fulfilling the Davidic covenant. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. David was talking about the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not to be left in hell or the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now, I don't think for a minute that you know people say, Jesus went to hell for my sins. Jesus didn't go to hell for your sins. Jesus forgave you of your sins. He took the punishment of your sins upon himself. He did not take the torment or the punishment of your sins, but he forgave your sins. He took the punishment away from you because he took it upon himself. Therefore, 
being by the night, being at the right hand, in verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up where we are all witnesses now. We've seen the resurrection. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. In other words, this Jesus that you crucified is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he and he is shedding forth what you now see and hear everything that's going on right now is being shed forth it's being shown to you for david is not ascended into the heavens but he himself said the lord said unto my lord set thou my right hand again david in psalm 18 was not talking about himself he was talking about the messiah until I make thy foes thy footstool therefore let all the house of israel know Again, Peter speaking to the house of Israel, know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what do we do now? Again, many, you know, verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, listen to this, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because this promises to you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, many use this very proof text for the necessity of baptism. See, Peter said you got to be baptized. You know, you got to repent, and then you got to be baptized. However, Peter was not addressing the church. He was addressing the house of Israel. Just read the text. He is speaking to Israel. Now, the way we've gotten around that today is covenant theology. The way we've gotten around that today is replacement theology. Well, the church now is Israel. The church is spiritual Israel. And all the promises that God promised to Israel has now been given to the church. That's the way we get around that scripture. That's the way we do it. Peter was not addressing the church. He was addressing Israel. And no, the church does not replace Israel. No, I do not embrace replacement theology and neither should you. In Acts chapter 2, 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly he is speaking to Israel. Paul never taught that baptism is necessary for salvation. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. Paul taught spirit baptism. Paul did not teach water baptism necessary for salvation. Matter of fact, the last mention of baptism in the Bible is found in Ephesians 4.36 when Paul told them, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, there is one Spirit, 
even as you're called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and that's not talking about water baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And yet today, what do we have in the church? People running around preaching baptismal regeneration. You have to be baptized to be saved. And where are they getting it from? Right there in that text. Peter talking to the house of Israel. It's not for the church. The gospel of the kingdom was repent and be baptized. That was the gospel of the kingdom that we do not preach anymore. What we preach is believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's easy if we would just quit twisting scripture. Just read it. Just sit down and read it. Who is Peter speaking to? House of Israel. What is Peter talking to them about? The kingdom. The Messiah. The Jesus whom you crucified that David said would come. You killed him, but he has risen from the dead. Repent and believe. And what will happen? Well, I don't think there's any way around the tribulation. Because Daniel's 70th week still has to take place. There's no way to get around Daniel's 70th week. These things will happen. And if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. And the Lord will return and he'll set up his kingdom on earth. And then God will use the nation of Israel to reach the Gentiles. That was plan A from the beginning. But what happened? <clears throat> they killed their Messiah. Peter stood up and preached. They rejected Peter's message as a whole. I mean, the nation did not repent. 3,000 added done to them. You know, added unto what? Added unto the Jewish believers, not the church. And then they set out to kill the apostles. They set out, they killed Stephen. They came after James. They came after Peter. And then what did the Lord do? He raised up the apostle Paul and he said, you go to the Gentiles. And the apostle Paul went and raised up the church of which you and I are part. The mystery that was hitherto unknown that Peter and the apostles had no clue about, God revealed to the Apostle Paul. And now you and I are in this dispensation of the church or the dispensation of grace. But once we're taken up in the rapture, then this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached again. And Daniel's 70th week is going to be fulfilled. The tribulation is going to take place. And then the Lord will return and set up his kingdom. But he wanted to do it here. But he couldn't. Um, again, I've been a student of scripture for years. And I have just... It's like a new revelation to me. Um, and, and I hope you study the scripture for yourself and see if these things be not so. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.